Well, Mark Few has got a lot of decisions that he's going to have to make to put this roster together next season. Joining me today is Tristan Freeman of Busting Brackets. He's joining me to attempt to break down what the rotation and starting lineup might look like for the Gonzaga Bulldogs in Spokane next season, right here on the Locked On Zags podcast. Don't go away. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to bring you news and updates on all things Zag Athletics. And it has been a busy, busy, busy week in Gonzaga land the last couple of days. Here to break it all down and look at some potential lineups for the Zags next season is Tristan Freeman. Tristan's a former guest of the show, managing editor at Busting Brackets, phenomenal college basketball blog through fan-sided Tristan. Welcome back to the show. Hey, I appreciate you having me back on, Andy. A whole lot to talk about for Gonzaga. Yeah, you know, I was, I was kind of just looking at trying to get some guests back on the show in June, thought oh, maybe it'll be a little bit of a quiet time. And uh, really glad I reached out to you when you did when I did, because uh, we got a lot we, we got a lot to cover. Uh, probably more than 30 minutes worth of, of content after uh, what was an insanely busy week uh, for the Zags. The first thing that I really wanted to ask you about, we kind of looked at the offseason for Gonzaga when it first started. They missed out on a couple targets. Anthony Black was a big one. Sky Clark thought maybe he'd transfer to Gonzaga or decommit and come to Gonzaga. He chose not to. Missed out on a few other transfers. There was there was some some nerves, some nervous energy in Spokane and in the surrounding area. Now, of course, within a matter of 48 hours, Rasir Bolton, Julian Strother, Drew Timmy, all decide to come back to Spokane. Three out of five starters, the most they were going to get back. How surprised were you to see all three of those guys make the decision to return to Spokane? Uh, very surprised if you look at all three. I, I think throughout the offseason, there were cases where all three of them were at best 50-50. And there mm-hmm. were also just moments where it felt like any of them could leave. Like after mm-hmm. the season, it felt like Bolton was ready to move on after four years of, mm-hmm. of college ball. Strother was someone that you you assume could come back, but then during the NBA draft process, he was the guy that looked like a potential first-round pick. Mm-hmm. There was even rumors of potential promise for him, so it looked like he could have gone. And, and then with Timmy, you know, he was one of those that still had a senior year, but he could have been like Kofi Coburn, where he was mm-hmm. just ready to go pro, that even yeah. though his draft stock was never going to, you know, increase – he could have just been ready to just start his professional career. So there was a legit chance that all three of them could have been gone. Like, I think if you were the most optimistic fan, two of them could have returned. Mm-hmm. And you wouldn't have known which two. But then to find out on, on literally at the midnight of deadline, all three of them would come back. It, yeah. it was it was an incredible day for Zach fans. Absolutely wild. I, you know, I think, as you said, my best case scenario was I think they're getting two of these three guys back. I think best case scenario with no disrespect to Bolton, who's a great player, but I thought if they get Timmy back, if they get Strother back, I think they can, you know, the guard rotation they have, this was even before Malachi Smith is going to be fine without Bolton, but then he made the decision to come back and I thought, okay, well, there's no way Julian's going to come back then If, if Bolton's coming back, there's not enough room. Of course, Bolton comes back. Of course, 
Timmy follows suit. Now you got a, a very loaded team. And like we said, a couple days later, not even, I think basically a day later, it was confirmed that Malachi Smith out of Chattanooga was coming to Spokane, a player that had been rumored to come to Gonzaga for nearly a full week before it was made official. Uh, what can you tell me about this kid and how he might fit in in Mark Few's program? Yeah, he was a SoCon player of the year at Chattanooga. He started out at Wright State, and, and no one thought they, when he transferred over to Chattanooga that he would turn into one of the best mid-major guards in the country. An elite scorer, averaged 20 a game, had 36 against Murray State, played well against the top competition, was easily the best guard in, in the SoCon, and led them to the NCAA tournament in a one-bit league. He struggled against Illinois in the uh, first-round NCAA tournament, but Trent Frazier, Illini guard, was one of the best defenders. And, and it showed, you know, the lack of support and talent that, that Malachi Smith had at Chattanooga. Now he comes to Gonzaga, where he could arguably be the fourth-best player, yeah. and it's still not be a slight to him because now he's going to have Timmy, Strother, Bolton, and five-star players to work with. Mm-hmm. So it, an incredible addition for him, especially considering that he was originally the backup plan assuming mm-hmm. that either Bolton or Strother leaves, yeah. and yet you're somehow able to add him, which just gives you another playmaking guard, can run the point, can play off guard, a good shooter. It, it, it's one of the best pickups that technically you can argue Gonzaga didn't even need, but yeah. still was able to land. Yeah, it, you know, it's funny. We've seen so many guards kind of come through Gonzaga through the transfer portal, and one kind of constant we've seen with a lot of them, uh, and Bolton was was the most recent example to really hit this point home, is their, the efficiency numbers improve so dramatically when they come to Gonzaga. And I think there's probably a lot of factors there. I think the most notable one is that most of these guys were, like Malachi Smith, the number one player on their team. So they're facing the opposing team's best defense. They've been game planning against this particular player. You know, Ryan Woolridge was was probably the mo- the closest example as a smaller mid-major guy who was very dominant for multiple years in college, came to Gonzaga, put up much, much improved efficiency numbers. Do you see Malachi Smith was a pretty efficient shooter, particularly from beyond the arc, despite being his best, the best player on his team. Do you see potentially some some improvement there as well or, or how he's kind of going to fit in to this offense? Yeah, I think partly is because he won't be on the ball all the time. Like mm-hmm. he, you could argue that he was the point guard for Chattanooga, but in a way, he was sort of just the lead guard and just had the ball in his hands. Yeah. And sometimes he would pass, sometimes he would shoot with it. <laughs> this time, he, he, there's a chance, depending on how the lineups work out, that he'll be the three with mm-hmm. Bolton as the two and Nolan Hickman as the starting point guard. Well, what I think is important with Malachi Smith is that he gives Mark Few that insurance point guard in case Hickman's not ready, because he's right. going to be a true sophomore. And Gonzaga's best team is when the point guard runs the show, like with Andrew mm-hmm. Nembhard, Nigel Williams-Goss, Kevin Pangos. Mm-hmm. Is Hickman ready to be that guy next year? Because with Timmy back, they're in a win-now scenario, yep. and they, they can't afford Hickman to go through ups and downs. So mm-hmm. if he's not ready, you can slide Malachi Smith in there and be the point guard, and knowing that he doesn't have to do it all. He can just throw it down low, throw it on the wing. So mm-hmm. it different options for Mark Few to work with. So we could see him at the three, at the one, potentially the six man in case, in case, you know, Salas has a breakout here. That's always an option. So mm-hmm. a lot of things you can do with Malachi Smith, which is what I think Mark Few really wanted to get in a transfer guard this offseason. 
Absolutely. And I want to talk more about those lineups and how some of those positions might shake out. We're going to come back and talk about that in a later segment. But before we do that, Tristan, the big question, the I'm just going to ask it point blank. I know that rosters are not finalized for every team, although the majority of the big moves have probably already happened. At this point, if you were ranking a top 25, would Gonzaga be the number one team in the country? I would, and I, I think two other decisions that occurred in, mm-hmm. during draft weeks helped make that. Arkansas mm-hmm. is losing Jalen Williams was big for them. Had that had he stayed, I think they would have been the consensus number one team. Mm-hmm. But now they got a lot of transfer forwards and young guards, questions mm-hmm. there. Houston brings back Marcus Sasser, who's one of the best guards in the country, but mm-hmm. they didn't get a, a start and center yet. You know, it was rumored to be Kenneth Lofton. Had he stayed, he probably could have gone to Houston. That mm-hmm. doesn't happen. They have questions there. And in North Carolina, it's the other team. They yeah. still haven't landed that transfer power forward to replace yeah. Brady Manick now that Matthew Meyer is going to Illinois. If mm-hmm. they get Pete Nance, yeah. who is a rumored target, there's going to be the legitimate debate whether or not the Tar Heels should be number one because Pete Nance could have been a Gonzaga Bulldog had Timmy stayed in the draft. That That's mm-hmm. another caveat to a, what was a crazy deadline day. I think if that happens, you could put Tar Heels one, but Gonzaga, did they just have too much? Considering that Nolan Hickman is the projected weakness on the lineup right now when you're looking at two through four, and they have Efton Reed as a backup big man, and we could talk about what his role could potentially be. Gonzaga is just too stacked from a roster standpoint not to be number one currently. Well, you, you, you teased perfectly into the next segment, Tristan. We're going to talk front court in segment two. We're going to talk about what the Zags are going to do with Efton Reed, how things could potentially shake out, why Julian Strother might end up playing a slightly different position next year. Before we get there, though, I want to tell you all about Built Bar. Summer is coming, and with the summer, you're going to need some food on the go. Built Bars are the perfect snack to take with you on family vacations. Throw them in your bags, in your kids' backpacks. Make sure that everyone has a bar so you are fueled for your summer adventures. The best part about Built Bars, they're healthy and delicious. No more sacrificing delicious food for health. With Built Bar, you can have both. Have you tried the Built Puffs yet? We are going crazy for the puffs. They come in crazy flavors like banana cream pie and even churro. Who doesn't want a protein bar that tastes like a churro? And they're only 140 calories. Sign me up. If that's not enough flavor for you, then you might want to try the Mixed Box. The Mixed Box comes with 12 flavors of bars and puffs. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Go to Built.com to get all your favorites. Banana cream pie, raspberry, double chocolate, and so many more. They are all delicious, and new flavors are coming out all the time. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, segment two. Still any patents, still locked on Zag. Still here, joined by Tristan Freeman of Busting Brackets. Tristan, I saw a recent article of yours at Busting Brackets going over your predictions for Gonzaga's rotation. I got to say, I enjoyed seeing your starting lineup because it is the same starting lineup that I projected for this team. Of course, I might change my mind. You might change your mind. (laughs) There's a lot of time between now and the first game of the season. But I saw you wrote it out as Nolan Hickman, 
Rasir Bolton, Malachi Smith, Julian Strother, and Drew Timmy. I want to start with the front court because Julian Strother was not a four last year. He was he played primarily on the wing. He played the three spot. The Zags had two traditional bigs, of course, with Chet Holmgren in the mix, no longer uh, a part of the team. But do you see things? How do you see it shaking out with Strother playing some more minutes at the four? Is that something you feel very confident is going to happen? And, and how do you think it's going to work out for this team? I, I do feel confident because I think it, it's not even much about Strother as it is about mm-hmm. Timmy and maximizing what he can do at the five. Like mm-hmm. there's so there's few bigs that can guard him one on one. So mm-hmm. having four shooters and four capable scores that that's ideal. And I think as good a player as Anton Watson is with mm-hmm. versatility in his defense, mm-hmm. him and Timmy is just not in a great offensive pairing together in front court because Watson can't shoot. Yeah. And that would be the same thing in any hypothetical Ethan Reed and Timmy yeah. parents. So to have a guy who can shoot 40% from three like Strother at the four, it basically mm-hmm. would create the same thing with, with Corey Kispert when he right. was at the four with, with Timmy. And those lineups were unstoppable. Yeah. And while the, uh, you know, Ayayi, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Jalen Suggs and, 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 and Nemhart lineup, Mm-hmm. might be better than what would be Malachi Smith, Razier Bolt, and Nolan Hickman, mm-hmm. you still want that offensive potential because Timmy giving you 20 a game just makes it so much easier for the other guards and it would take pressure off the of Hickman. Yep. And in a case where you want to put your best players on the floor, assuming Hickman and uh, Salas mm-hmm. has their little breakout junior uh, sophomore campaigns, yeah, they're going to they're gonna be on the court a lot. Yeah. And if that's the case, you know, someone like Watson, who's a veteran, but we've seen sort of seen his ceiling offensively, mm-hmm. maybe he his minutes is going to be impacted. Yeah. It's because someone's is going to have to be. It's either going to be one of the sophomores or Watson. And mm-hmm. with Strother's versatility and his ability to rebound, because he is a good rebounder, yeah. mm-hmm. I, I think that might be the, the ideal lineup or sort of the quote-unquote death lineup Gonzaga mm-hmm. uses a lot. So – you touched on the, one of the more fascinating elements to me, which is obviously Drew Timmy returning is is good universally for the Zags. It's good for college basketball, but it creates a bit of a, an interesting dynamic in the front court. I agree 100 percent that Drew Timmy in a lineup with primarily shooters and guys who can space the floor is obviously ideal because he, him operating in the low post with plenty of room is has been unstoppable for three years. Like there, nobody has stopped that. So why not give him as much room as possible to operate? But it does make it challenging to play him alongside Anton Watson. It does make him a little challenging to play alongside Efton Reed. So now you have a situation where you have these two likely backup bigs. I suppose there's a situation where either of those guys could start, but I, I, it's tough because if each of those guys needs to play 20 minutes per night, I'm just not sure where those minutes are going to come from. I believe your predictions had Watson at around 18 and read a little bit lower than that. Is that just because there's some challenges of getting all those guys on the floor at the same time? Yeah, I think Watson's career averages around 18. And yeah. I think if Strother, because I had him playing a little bit after three as well, in case yeah. for some bigger lineups. So yeah. I think Watson can play his minutes because his defense and passing ability is important, yeah. especially not knowing what Hickman and Smith can do. Having yeah. an extra passer on the court is key. Yeah. But Reed's going to read is the big loser from that because he he's he's a center. And yeah. whenever Timmy's on the court, he's not going to be. So yeah. I had Reed round. 13 because Timmy's average is around 26, 27. Yeah. When you, when you include 
you know, blowouts that limit his minutes. And then when he plays 33, 34 for the big games, right. It, it's going to be tough for F to read, but I think the, the one, the one case you can make for, if you're a coaching staff is, Hey, you're going to be on a team in the culture. That's likely going to be number one in preseason. They'll yep. definitely be number one during league play. Cause they're going to run through the WCC. Sure. You get to go to the tournament, at least a sweet 16 appearance, final mm-hmm. four, you, you get to develop and, and, work with Drew Timmy, which right. would be a great way to prepare. Mm-hmm. And then when he's gone, the front court's yours next year. Yeah. Like that, that, that I think would be a better scenario than going to Virginia Tech, getting mm-hmm. 25 minutes as a starter, but probably be on a bubble team. So I think yeah. it, 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 you wouldn't look at it as like a redshirt year, but in a mm-hmm. way it kind of is where right. you, you, you get limited minutes to get to experience a lot of winning development. And then the year after it'll be your time on, on a, on a big stage. And I think that's why Efton Reed was kind of the perfect fit for Gonzaga when he first committed, because the other guys that they were looking at, you know, they were looking at Broom out of Moorhead State. They were looking at uh, AMAC out of uh, Utah Valley. Both those guys needed, were going to go to a situation where they were going to play 30 minutes per night and you know, develop their stuff to be potential NBA players. Both those guys were borderline NBA players this season. So you could understand why those guys were like, well, I don't want to go into a situation where a potential player of the year candidate might all of a sudden block me. Whereas for Efton Reed, that's not necessarily a bad thing. And yeah, I imagine that he was probably pretty excited about getting to start for this team and now seeing his minutes dramatically decreased most likely is unfortunate. But for me, a player who one of the things Reed needs to work on is interior post defense. I don't know how you could possibly get better at post defense except guarding Drew Timmy every single day in practice. That's going to make you so much better as a post-defensive player. I think this is all good news for Efton Reed. I understand that there's probably people who are thinking, oh, he's maybe he's frustrated. This is not what he was expecting. Why didn't he go somewhere else? I see this as nothing but positive, especially when you look at Gonzaga's history of developing bigs behind the scenes. Yeah, and, and one thing the coaching staff does do is that they're honest with the transfers. Like, I'm pretty sure Coach Few did not tell him Drew Timmy is gone. Like, I think he said, look, it, it's probably 50-50. Mm-hmm. He could come back. He could leave. What are you going to do? And considering mm-hmm. we've heard nothing from Reed and his family up yeah. to this point, I, I, yeah. you're assuming that it, it's okay. Yep. So it, I, I don't think you have to worry about any disgruntlement. I don't think there's any mm-hmm. issues with that. Same thing with Malachi Smith. I mean, he he made his decision afterwards yeah. and, and still committed. Bolton shot. I'm sure that considering that uh, Smith took his visit during that time, yeah. there was a lot of talk about what everyone could do. So I think everyone's on the same page based on mm-hmm. the results, regardless of where everyone's minutes or roles going to be. I think everyone is bought into what could be a special season season for all of them. Yeah, absolutely. So there are a couple guys in the front court rotation that you la- that you laid out in the article here that pretty much don't show up at all. And I'm, I'm in agreement with you, unfortunately, that it doesn't look like there's a whole lot of minutes on a game by game basis for Ben Gregg, a top 30 prospect in his class, or Caden Perry, a top 60 prospect in his class, or Brayton Huff, the newcomer who's a four star recruit, Mr. Illinois uh, out of the city of Chicago. You got three very young, very talented big men. And it doesn't look like those guys are going to sniff the floor. Are, are you surprised by that? Do you think that uh, that's just another one of those things where Gonzaga is just going to develop those guys behind the scenes? Or, or what's the situation there? No, I think Gonzaga's reached a point where we're on the same level as Duke or Kentucky in terms mm-hmm. of 
there's going to be top 50, top 100 guys that just aren't mm-hmm. going to be on the court because right. the entire roster is built with top 100 yeah. guys. And we know that unless you're Leonard Hamilton, you're not playing 10, 12 guys. Right. So you're just going to be people who is going to be, you know, stuck, stuck in the backcourt. And mm-hmm. this was the rare case where guys came back. Had yeah. they had they left, there would have been minutes potentially available. But mm-hmm. it's sort of a case where, hey, it's great that they're coming back because I'm going to be on a top five team. Right. But now my minutes is going to be limited and they're going to have to make decisions. Do they do they stick it out one more year on the bench and then wait for them to go? Mm-hmm. But then there's always going to be the case where and Mark Few has shown it. He's going to get transfers. He is not yep. going to have a young roster. He's he's in win now mode. Yep. And the, the top free agents are clearly interested in Gonzaga. So mm-hmm. they're going to have to show either in practice or, or wherever mm-hmm. that they can be contributors for Gonzaga. Otherwise, they're, they're going to have to hit the portal. And, mm-hmm. and, and that's just a, a part of college basketball these yep. days in the eight-man rotation. The guys 9 through 13 is going to have to decide. And it doesn't make them bad players. It doesn't mean that they can't play. Mm-hmm. Umar Ball is a great example of it. He, he ended up being a great rotation player in Arizona. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that, that's just how it's just going to have to work out. Absolutely. So you mentioned the 2020-2021 team and Corey Kisper playing the four and how – offensively dynamic and talented that team was, but that team had one fairly significant flaw, which showed itself uh, in the championship game against Baylor, a couple flaws in that game, but one of the big ones was rim protection. And obviously Chet Holmgren helped really shore that up last season in Spokane, but he's gone. And this year's roster has a very similar makeup to that team from two years ago. Is rim protection an area that you think is going to be a concern for the Zags this season? Yeah, it, it definitely will. When when Drew Timmy's just starting center, that's going to be a concern because mm-hmm. he's just yeah. he's just not elite in that area or mm-hmm. or your pick and roll protection. But yeah. that's just it, it's going to be what you have to deal with. Gonzaga's probably going to be the number one scoring team again. Like uh-huh. there's a whole bunch of teams in the top twenty five that you look at on paper, wonder can they shoot? Can mm-hmm. they score more than sixty points? Every single team, if you look at uh, people's top twenty five rankings, have clear flaws. Yeah. So as long as you're Gonzaga, you don't deal with a team that has elite, you know, scoring big men, then then that should be OK. But it's but like always, the tournament's going to be matchup based. You just have to hope you can survive that. Also hope that your guards don't, you know, shoot for 25 from deep like what happened against Arkansas. You could argue that. Timmy's interior defense was not the issue why they lost mm-hmm. to Arkansas because Timmy no. did fine. It was the fact that the guards couldn't shoot. If yeah. the guards could shoot, then things would have been fine. So sometimes it's not even about what your weakness is. It's just a matter of execution and the guys being consistent for six games in March. All right, Tristan, I want to switch over to talk about the backcourt. We could probably talk more about the frontcourt if we wanted to, but there's a lot of intrigue going on in this backcourt. We kind of already touched on Julian potentially playing some more minutes at the four, which kind of leaves that small forward spot open. It looks like it's going to be a lot of three-guard lineups this upcoming season, which has been a bread and butter for the Zags. Almost every one of their very successful seasons, they played a lot of three-guard lineups. It's not uncommon at all. Uh, You kind of have Malachi Smith being more of that 
three role, the kind of the bigger guard. Uh, is there is there a reason that you think he kind of fits more into that role? Well, it's more so I just think that Roger Bolton is the clear shooting guard. Like yeah. he shot 47% from three. He's a smaller guard. He's mm-hmm. not he's not an elite rebound. That's him. So yeah. Malachi Smith, he can he can rebound, although at the SOCON level, so that'll be something to work on. But yeah. ideally in the three guard lineups, you have two capable ball handlers and mm-hmm. a shooter. No matter which way it works, so even though it's just like the small four to three spot, yeah. it, it, you can you, you could just call it you know two combo guards and a shooter. That that's yeah. where Smith would be, and that's also where Hunter Salas will be, assuming he comes off the bench. That's where mm-hmm. you could put Dominic Harris there as well. You just various lineups. It don't really matter where they're labeled, but as long as you have a ball handler and a shooter uh-huh. and a defender, that's going to be important. Yeah, I, I think you talked a little bit about the Nolan Hickman starting spot. And for me, I, I mentioned that my initial starting lineup was the same as yours, uh, Hickman, Bolton, Smith, Strother, and Timmy. I've waffled on whether I think it will be that or whether Hunter Salas will play his way into a starting role, which you also alluded to. In that situation, I would guess that the staff could shift Smith to be more of the traditional point guard, have Nolan Hickman come off the bench. There's a lot of options here. These guys are going to have to prove it. They don't get time to develop, like you said. You touched on this with Hickman earlier. Uh, how important, how critical is he to this team's success next season? I mean, it's been a long time, like decades, <laughs> since Gonzaga hasn't had a good starting point guard. Like yeah. they've had the one of the luckiest runs you can imagine. Mm-hmm. And with with Nemhor gone, it's somewhat a question because we don't know what Hickman is. Although the funny thing is Hickman is the most talented player on paper mm-hmm. who joined Gonzaga out of high school. <laughs> so, you know, Nigel Williams-Goss was a transfer, but he was also a five-star guy. Hickman right. is the first five-star point guard mm-hmm. out of high school to join the program. So you you would assume in his sophomore year he's going to have a big year, and, and you have to hope that. If he does, mm-hmm. this team's a legit national title contender. If mm-hmm. not, you might see Malachi Smith take over that spot and then Hunter Salas being being an elite defender come in there because another question will be is how good it defensive lineup is Timmy Strother, Smith, mm-hmm. Bolton, and then another guard. You may have to have Salas in there for defensive purposes. Yeah. In case that doesn't work out. So there's a lot of different ways that these guards can work minutes. Same with Dominic Harris. You know, maybe the team isn't that good defensively. So maybe you have to have lineups where both Harris and Salas is in there yeah. just to just uh, uh, get stops. So it's going to be very interesting, but there's going to be a lot of eyes on Hickman because if he, if he, t- if he handles it, then mm-hmm. Strother can play to four. If yeah. he, if he struggles in both or uh, Salas and uh, Harris struggles, then you may actually have to push Strother back to the three yeah. and then have, and then have uh, Watson or Reed play to more to four or five. So, so Hickman, can create a domino effect of what ideal lineups you can have because you have to have the point guard situation handled. If that's not handled, nothing else works. Absolutely. And I think it's, it's so funny that like, again, the pressure on these guys is like Hickman doesn't just, he doesn't have a lot of leeway, even though he looks like the most traditional point guard on the roster. Like you said, he has to be significantly better than Anton Watson or Efton Reed, who do not play the same position as him. But in theory, he's competing with them for minutes because of the flexibility some of those other guys kind of offer. They can move some situations around. I'm very fast fascinated by the defense because I do think that was part of the reason that I thought maybe Salas will start over Hickman because Smith can play the point guard. And more importantly, Salas offers 
much more defensively. And right now, it, the starting lineup of with Hickman and Bolton and, and Smith, if that's your your three guard lineup and you're playing a team, I know Jamari Bowie is not in the conference anymore, but if you're playing a team with like a ball dominant guard like that, you need somebody who's going to match up with that guy. And the best player on Gonzaga's roster to do that without a doubt in my mind is Hunter Salas. The only other player who's, who is competing with him is Dominic Harris. And we just haven't seen enough of him to know where he lines up defensively, but I kind of see situations where Gonzaga could roll out some more defensive heavy lineups like Efton Reed, Anton Watson, Hunter Salas, Dominic Harris, and, you know, insert any other guard here where you you have this a ton of pressure. You could do full court, you can do all this stuff. And then you have lineups that are more offensively focused. Mark Few hasn't done a lot of like mass substitution stuff or, or big swings like that, but does that seem like something that could be in the cards this year? Or do you think he's going to kind of play it a little bit more traditional and conservative like he's done in the past? Yeah, I, I think he might in a non-conference be more traditional because there's a lot of big games. Yeah. You, know, you, you have, you have Texas, you have the PK five, like mm-hmm. it's difficult to experiment in there and yeah. the way Gonzaga's you know tournament resume works is that they have to do all the work in a non-conference yeah you know when the, this past year when they beat Texas and UCLA you almost could guarantee that they were going to be a one seat just because right. of those two wins alone right. so it's probably going to be put your best foot forward probably go a seven eight man lineup do the best and then once the conference play comes then you can start to work out certain things like a, def- a defensive specific lineup or a shooting mm-hmm. only lineup or some kind of versatility. Because when you go up against a team like San Francisco, who still has a lot of good guards, then you can have, you know, Sa- uh, Salas and, and Harrison there to mm-hmm. see how that will work in case you want to stop a run or, or, you know, hold on to a lead. Right. Or if you go up against a team, that has more bigs, maybe you can have a two big lineup and see how that works. So I think early on, you'll probably see the guys that look best during the fall practices sort of create, you mm-hmm. know, a set rotation, but then maybe you can work on some things and, and, and have something to, you know, use when March comes, because the one, I, I guess, you know, criticism of Mark Few is that once the thing he has doesn't work in March, he's mm-hmm. almost stuck with it. Yeah. He, 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 he can't, you know, he doesn't make necessary adjustments to play someone out mm-hmm. of nowhere. Like, you know, in the game against Arkansas, Trey Wade uh, was averaging around 10 minutes a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he, there were games where he had DNP, you know, coaches' decisions. Yeah. He ends up playing 32 minutes against, you know, Chet Holmgren. Yeah. And ends up, you know, being the best player on the court going 16 points. That's something that Eric Musselman does, which is – Guide him to two straight lead eight appearances. Yeah. Can Mark View necess- can, can he sort of change that to where, hey, maybe he takes a risk and have Ethan Reed and Timmy play at the same time against bigger teams or go four guards or or a, a huge lineup? So. Uh-huh. No, it, it'll be interesting to see. I, I think uh, Mark Few has not shown a lot of tendencies to do that, but if there was ever a year to experiment with some potentially unique lineups, I mean, that this year's team has the depth, has the talent, uh, and for the most part, the experience to do it. Obviously, there are some younger guys on this team, but a lot of guys who have some experience too. So I'll be interested to see if he's willing to to move some things around and try some some different stuff uh, for what would wouldn't be the first time in his career, but be the first time in a while that he's he's kind of uh, experimenting with some new things. Tristan, thank you so much for coming on the show today, man. I really appreciate it. Uh, do you want to let people know where they can find you and where they can find your work if they're interested in reading more of your lineup projections? 
Yes, sir. You can find me on Twitter, hoopsnut351 online. You can also follow the Bustin' Brackets handle as well as the site where we talk about Gonzaga, WCC, national noise. You know, we're heading to the quiet part of offseason. Not too many impact transfers left. So now we're going to, you know, look at what teams have done, look at the rosters, who's done well and who has not. A whole lot to, to talk about because everyone's rosters changed by at least 50%. So you got to get to study in before we get ready for next season. Well, Tristan, thank you again for coming on the show, man. I really appreciate it. Folks, we got plenty of more great stuff coming your way this week. We got the return of Andy Locks, where a great listener submitted hot takes. So if you have a hot take about this team that you want me to talk about on the show, shoot it to me on Twitter or email me, andypatton013 at gmail.com, and we can discuss that right here on the Locked On Zags podcast. All right, thank you all for listening, and go Zags.